let me add my welcome as well. My name's Rob. I am a pastor here. We are glad that you are with us. If you are new, maybe it's your first time this morning, and you want to ask yourself, I wonder if the temperature in here always feels this cool and refreshing. Don't worry about that, all right? Uh, just enjoy it for what it is this morning. Come back next week for a climate adventure. You just never know what's going to happen here. Um, we are in our series on Proverbs. And one thing we, I hope you've seen with me, one thing Proverbs won't let us do. Proverbs won't let us confine our relationship with God. It won't let us confine our faith to one hour a week on one day of the week. Proverbs wants us to, to see that our relationship with God, what it calls the fear of the Lord, influences all of our relationships, who we choose to date or marry, how we spend our money, the words that we use, even the things that go on in our heart, pride and envy. Proverbs speaks to all of these things. And this morning we come to 22 verses on womanhood, right? You can't preach a sermon on Proverbs without looking at Proverbs 31 and the Proverbs 31 woman. And we have a practice here in our church family, what we like to call embracing the awkward, all right? And so we come to this passage, and maybe for some of us, there's some awkwardness around it. Um, let me see where to begin. Um, in our culture, there's plenty of discussions going on around gender, no shortage of controversy. For some of us, we walk in this morning and we carry concerns, questions, thoughts about the place of women in the church, in Christianity, and in the Bible. For some of us, we hear Proverbs 31 read, and you might have this visceral reaction, right? For good reasons or for bad reasons. For some of you, you heard Proverbs 31 read, and you thought, oh, well, I am a man. I am a kid. Maybe I could just daydream for the rest of these 20 minutes, right? Like maybe I could just daydream about vacation or lunch or where Kevin Durant's going to get traded to, right? There's all kinds of awkwardness or questions when we approach Proverbs 31. So you know what I think we should do? I think we should pray <laughs> and ask God to help us because this, this is his word and we believe he created man and woman and so we should go to the source for our understanding. So let me invite you to pray with me, and we'll look at God's Word. Mighty and merciful Father, we pray that by your Spirit, you would speak to us through your Word. May the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. We come from all kinds of different places this morning, different circumstances and situations, but every last one of us, old and young, men and women, we need to see Jesus. So help us to know and see him this morning. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you want a simple roadmap for how we're going to approach these 22 verses, how we're going to make our way through the end of Proverbs 31, it's real simple. A couple turns and then we'll get to our destination. We're going to look at three things, the purpose, the person, and the plan. All right. What's the purpose of these verses? What's the person they talk about? And what's the plan? Like, what does it mean for our life? What are the consequences? How do we apply it? Let's first talk about the purpose. The purpose of these 22 verses, uh, what is the author getting after? 
Remember, anytime we're studying a text, especially the Bible, it's important. When we're going to ask what's its purpose, we need to know its context. We need to know the broader surrounding, right? Just a little note here. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to learn how to study the Bible. You can't grow spiritually apart from studying the Bible. A little plug for our adult Christian education in the fall. Our first class is going to be how to study the Bible, all right? So come to that class if you're gonna learn about understanding context. I've used this illustration before when it comes to the importance of context. That is, the very same words can mean something radically different depending on the context, all right? An illustration I've used before and I was reminded of it again because I was down in North Carolina last weekend dropping my boys off at camp. Um, In my neck of the woods, you could say uh, these words. The gravedigger was there, right? If you're standing around some tombstones and you say the gravedigger was there, it means one thing, all right? It means something radically different if you're standing in a monster tr- truck rally and you say the gravedigger was there, all right? If you need to know the difference, we can talk after the service and I'll explain to you, right? One's a person who digs graves and one is a monster truck. Same words, very different meaning. Context matters. Setting matters. That's the same when we come to Proverbs 31. We have to understand. So let's start with context. These words are in the book of Proverbs. What's Proverbs about? It's about wisdom. Again and again, it's helping us to see what it says in chapter 1, verse 7, that, that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. you got to get that. That is the message of Proverbs. So if that's the message of this book, let's go from book to chapter. All right, what's, what's the context of chapter 31? You can look at the first verse right there, chapter 1, verse 1. Well, look in your Bible. We didn't have it up on the screen. I'll give you this one for free. It says this, the words of King Lemuel, they are an oracle that his mother taught him. All right, so this is our context for Proverbs 31. We have a king whose mother gave him some wisdom, and he's passing that along. The words of Proverbs 31 are instructions for young men when it comes to selecting a wife. We'll see that there. And actually, if we want to move from from book to chapter to our passage, look at verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Friends, the primary purpose of these verses, they're advice to young men when it comes to applying wisdom to selecting a wife. And it says that wisdom looks like pursuing a wife who is wise. All right, this passage is making much of wisdom just like the, the entire book of Proverbs is doing. In fact, these verses, these 22 verses at the end of Proverbs, they're really modeled after a heroic hymns of the day. There would be these songs written about heroes during that time, uh, heroes of war, victories won, and so they would write these hymns to them. This is a hymn to the ideal, noble, wise woman. All right, and there's a clue here that you don't see in your English translations. But there's a clue that lets you know that this is a song of praise, a poem of praise. If you were to read it in the Hebrew, you would see that these 22 words, they form an acrostic. 
All right, kids, sorry to take you back to school. All right, I know you got like a few more weeks left. Everybody remember what an acrostic is? The first letter of each line, you know, spells a word or goes through the alphabet. We still do that. We still do it in our songs, right? L is for the way you look at me. O is, I'm not going to sing it, but you know it. All right, that's a song that uses an acrostic to, to, to poetically praise love. All right, so if you were reading this in the Hebrew, you would say each line begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, and the rest of them, all right? They're meant to creatively and beautifully praise this ideal, noble, wise woman. That's what's going on here. That's the purpose of these verses. Um, I use the word ideal, too, because throughout Proverbs, um, wisdom is often personified as lady wisdom. Chapters 8 and chapters 9, you have lady wisdom and lady folly, you know, kind of personifying wisdom and foolishness. Um, these verses want us to see the difference that wisdom makes in our lives, specifically in the context of this relationship of marriage and womanhood and family and engaging the world. These verses are making much of wisdom. That's the purpose in this particular area of life. So if that's the purpose, um, let's, let's be clear about what the purpose is not. All right? The purpose of these verses in Proverbs 31 is not to create a 22-point um, checklist that becomes a burden and causes shame in, in plenty of women's life. That's not the purpose of Proverbs, right? Because um, it make, it'll make it clear that, hey, it's painting a picture of what the fear of the Lord looks like. And if we zoom out and read the rest of the Bible, we realize that all of us have struggles when it comes to living in light of the fear of the Lord, that all of us aren't good at checking off those boxes, so we can't hold this up as a checklist to go through and then feel shame and a burden because we don't live up to that standard. In fact, there's only one that's lived up to the standard, and we'll get to that in a little while. All right, another thing um, that's, that's not the purpose of uh, Proverbs 31 is to set a standard for all women uh, for all of time. Because think about this. Proverbs 31 speaks primarily to uh, womanhood in the context of family uh, and children. I would really hate it if some of our single sisters walked away from here and thought somehow God's ideal woman must have a husband and must have a child, right? The Bible in no way teaches that. If you also read through these verses, I hope you caught on that the Proverbs 31 woman she has some significant means and resources, right? There are, are plenty of women throughout history and plenty of women in our world today that just can't do some of the things that this woman does. I would really hate for them to think somehow I am not uh, what God's called women to be because I can't do those things. So I, I'm just pointing these out because we've got to be careful about how we talk about Proverbs 31 and how we handle God's word at all times and setting and context matter. They help us from manipulating, abusing, misusing passages. 
The purpose is that we would see this beautiful picture of wisdom in this area of life. Let's look now at the person, all right? Moving from purpose to person, let's look at this description. Okay, warning again, all right? We're gonna go through this description. Do not use it as a checklist. All right, ladies, don't hear a description and go, no, don't do that. Or like, yep, I'm crushing it there. Uh, Ladies, don't use it as a checklist. Uh, Spouses, husbands, don't use it as a checklist, all right? No nudging elbows here this morning, all right? We've got monitors set up for elbow nudgers. Not really, but don't do it. Um, Here's how we can engage with this text together. Let's gaze together at this text and at this picture because um, instead of a rigid checklist, What happens here is it's poetically painting a picture of what flourishing looks like when wisdom enters into the arena. We see in this woman's life what flourishing looks like in her family and when she engages the world and in her soul. This is a picture of what flourishing looks like. So let's gaze at it together. That's how we should approach uh, this description of this person. Let's look at uh, family first, then world, then soul. Verse 11 and 12, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all of the days of her life. And again in verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. No checklist, all right? I hope you know that this this passage right here isn't primarily about alarm clocks, all right? Remember, they didn't have alarm clocks. The point of this passage is that wisdom leads this woman to sacrificially love and care and serve and support those in her family. All right? That's what the point of this verse is. is that what, that's what wisdom leads her to do. And yes, Sometimes that will mean setting the alarm clock for earlier than you would otherwise like to get up. But that wisdom is the wisdom we're all called to express, right? We talked about the wisdom of making plans and diligence out of love for others. We just see that wisdom manifested in her life here and in her family. More flourishing among the family. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children, kids, listen up. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband's also Uh, and he praises her. It's just that wisdom makes a difference in our closest relational spheres. In our families, hey, let's be honest about families, right? That's the places where we can get hurt the most and where we can find the most joy. Wisdom makes a difference. You know what's funny? You know what we don't talk about in Proverbs 31 very much? Proverbs 31 children. Proverbs 31 husbands but they're part of this portrait, right? It says wisdom leads children to praise their, their, their mom when they see her loving and, and serving them. Wisdom leads a husband to praise his wife, to trust her. Guys, that's nothing more than flourishing. Who doesn't want encouragement? Who doesn't want to be trusted? That's what wisdom leads to. Let's move from flourishing in the family to flourishing in the world. Um, I hope you notice that Wisdom does not confine this woman to the home, right? No place in Proverbs 31 for some notion of a woman uh, barefoot and in the kitchen, 
No, Proverbs 31 makes it clear that uh, the lady puts on her sandals and she goes out to inspect fields and consider whether or not she should purchase them. She goes out into the field and, and, and plants a vineyard, right? She, uh, she engages uh, in commerce. She's making clothing and selling it in the marketplace. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, that is uh, real estate, agriculture, and retail that she's involved in. Using her gifts that God's given her to serve and care for others. That's what wisdom looks like in the life of someone. In this case, in the life of this lady. You know, the Bible steps on all kinds of toes in all kinds of ways. To those that would like to erase gender and act like there's no difference, the Bible makes it plain. God created male and female. He created both of them in his image of equal value. And that there is a difference. And that steps on a lot of toes today. Right? But to our friends on maybe the other side of the spectrum, the Bible would say, um, you need to be careful not to draw the box around women or genders too narrowly. To assign to them roles or withhold from them opportunities that the Bible doesn't withhold to them or assign to them. We have to be careful when we come to the Bible and we come to what it says about genders. The Bible steps on all kinds of toes. We need to read it carefully. You know, we do have some in Christian circles that would, stay that, uh, would say that, yeah, a wife's place is in the home. She's supposed to only stay there while the husband goes off to work. And we just have to acknowledge, right, that the notion of a single family income or a notion of a stay-at-home parent, those are notions that are um, post-industrial revolution notions, right? Like pre-industrial revolution, those conversations weren't being had. That, that, that idea would not make sense in antiquity, a stay-at-home parent, right? Every parent and every child was doing everything they can to eke out an existence and ensure survival. All right? Um, yes. Each family is called to discern what's right for them and their family. Um, there is dignity to work at home, in the home. There's dignity to work outside the home. You have to decide how are we going to care for and provide for and disciple and instruct our children. That's what you're called to do. Husbands, you are called to lead and sacrifice and give your life as Christ gave his life for the church to lead and care for your family. Yes, all of those things, but let's be careful that we don't confine womanhood and women to the home because just Proverbs 31 and the rest of the Bible won't let us do that. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman engages in the world, uh, including in mercy. This is one of the, the favorite brushstrokes of this picture here for me. Look at verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. There's no place in the Christian life, there's no place in our relationship with God to ignore the needs of the, and the suffering that is around us. All right, flourishing in the world, flourishing in the family. Let's look at flourishing in our souls. One of my favorite images from all of these verses comes from verse 25. Look at it there in your Bible or on your phone. It says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. <laughs> you know, this is a picture of a warrior 
laughing because he sees his enemy, but he knows his enemy is going to be vanquished, be defeated. That's the kind of laughter, laughing at the time to come, the days in the future. This woman knows, yes, the days to come, that's, they're uncertain, and they will most surely involve suffering um, and challenges. But so sure is he, she of um, her ultimate hope, so, so strong is the fear of the Lord in her that she can laugh at the time to come. How do we know the fear of the Lord is present in her there? One last verse we'll look at this morning, verse 30. It says this, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We could preach a whole sermon on that. We could talk about how our, you know, social media, movies, our culture just worships beauty and charm, superficial things. But note how Proverbs begins and ends with a focus on the fear of the Lord. That's what lasts. That's what's needed. So if the purpose is to make much of wisdom, especially in this context of pursuing a spouse who is wise, and if we see in this person a flourishing in all these areas of her life, her family, her world, and her soul, what's the plan? All right, like, okay, what am I supposed to do, Rob? Um, how am I supposed to apply this to my life? What are the consequences? What if I were to tell you this? What if I said that the primary calling for Christian women here this morning is not to be a Proverbs 31 woman? What if I told you that the primary calling for Christian women and Christian men, teenagers and senior saints, is to run to Jesus, to cast yourself on his grace, to go to him as the fount of every blessing? Because you see, here's the problem. If we wanted to choose uh, chapters of the Bible to identify ourselves with, then I think we need to acknowledge every woman here this morning is a Genesis 3 woman. Every man here this morning is a Genesis 3 man. Here's what I mean by this. The first man and the first woman, they had a checklist. There was one item on it, right? Don't eat of that tree, all right? Enjoy your relationship with your creator. Enjoy all that he created. Enjoy each other. You have all of this that you can do, one item. right? But they, they forsook the fear of the Lord. They didn't trust in him. And that's been our default setting ever since. Genesis 3 women and Genesis 3 men, that's what we are. And then along comes Christ. Along comes Christ and he does check the list. Every item, every law. You want to use the list from Proverbs 31? Let's use the list from Proverbs 31. Rises up early in the morning to care for his family and make meals, all right? One, resurrected Jesus makes some breakfast for his brothers, right? I love my Savior. That's the kind of Savior I need. But he doesn't just get up in the morning to make breakfast. He doesn't just get up in the morning to care for his family. He gets up on the cross to make us family, right? Us, enemies, orphans, slaves to sin, he makes us sons and daughters. You want to talk about a vineyard? 
He says, hey, actually, I am the vine, right? Um, Connect and stay connected to me, and you will bear fruit. Your life will be beautiful and bless others. You will flourish. You want to talk about laughing at the days to come? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, right? It tells us to look to Jesus, the the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, suffering the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he was so um, confident. He could laugh at the future. Uh, he, He knew what was ahead And so he endured the suffering and the shame. Um, It's Jesus that checks every box in our place and then takes the penalty for all the times we've failed to do so. Whether we failed the the Proverbs 31 list or or the Ten Commandments or whatever list you want to pick, we do realize every other world religion and worldview is about a checklist. Islam and the five pillars, Buddhism and the eightfold noble path, secular humanism, it has standards as well. They might be ever shifting and ever changing, but those standards are there. Christianity is not about a checklist, it's about a person. Right, Buddha's last words reportedly, strive on unceasingly. Jesus' last words, it is finished. I have checked all the list. I have taken your punishment. If we were in the habit of picking chapters in the Bible to define ourselves by, can I suggest 2 Corinthians 15? Because it tells every one of us who have trusted in Jesus that he's made us a new creation, that the old is gone and behold, the new has come. So women, yes, your life can and should increasingly look like what we see in Proverbs 31, not because you're gutting it out and trying to make it happen, but because you're running to Jesus and spending time with him and you're going to look like him and that's what Proverbs 31 increasingly looks like. And men, we are called to run to our Savior And spend time with him and be transformed by him. And we too will see flourishing in our family and in our world and in our souls. All right, Proverbs 31 is a picture of wisdom. Proverbs 31 points us to Jesus. So let's run to him this week. Men, women, teenagers, senior saints. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us pictures like this of what flourishing and life can look like. Help us to see when left to ourselves, we have no hope to experience that. And help us to see that you didn't leave us to ourselves, that you sent a rescuer to save us from ourselves, to save us from our enemies of death and the evil one. And Father, let us see that love and let it move us to live lives of of hope and courage, 
Lives that uh, allow us to laugh at the time to come because we know all that we have in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.